the studios of Boise State Public Radio News. I'm Samantha Wright. Filling in for Jim Agadat, it's Idaho Matters. Yesterday morning, the execution of Thomas Creech, Idaho's longest-serving inmate on death row, was canceled after officials were unable to establish an IV line to inject the chemicals that would end his life. It was a very dramatic scene as reporters and officials watched medical technicians try eight separate times to find a vein in the arms and legs of the 73-year-old convicted murderer. And now that his latest death warrant is expired, people are asking, what's next? Joining us to talk more is Scott McIntosh, opinion editor with the Idaho Statesman. He was one of the witnesses to the event. Scott, welcome back to Idaho Matters. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me. So I want to start with... um, I think what happened yesterday, and then we'll fill in the backstory. But first, how did you become one of these witnesses? You have to volunteer for this, right? Right. And I think it's really important that journalists um, witness these executions. I, I, I think it's a duty of the media to to witness an execution. You know, this is the most um, solemn, sacred act that a government can take, uh, taking somebody's life. And it's really important that impartial, um, objective parties are witness to it and and watch uh, what happens and make sure that this isn't a violation of um, cruel and unusual punishment, um, that if things go wrong, that we report on it um, and tell tell the public exactly the details of, of what happened. Okay, so um, you volunteer and yep. there were, I think, four media witnesses. There were other people there, obviously officials, um, tell me what happened. You're in the room. What, what What's the first thing that happens? Right. We were brought into the room about 10 minutes early and we had to walk across the campus. Like you said, there were four uh, reporters <clears throat> and there were three public officials in our group taken to what we call the media witness room. And we had to walk across the campus of the prison um, and we were brought into the room. And as soon as you go in, there are large windows that look into the execution chamber um, shortly before 10 o'clock, we heard some pounding, um, and all, all reporters uh, confirmed this, that there was, it sounded like footsteps, but really it sounded like syncopated um, pounding. And I, we wonder if the, the prisoners nearby um, were, were pounding, um, and it seemed to get louder right at 10 o'clock. Mr. Creech was rolled into the room at 10 o'clock um, on a gurney, and he was on kind of a metal framed mattress, uh, strapped down to this metal frame mattress, and he was rolled in. And then he was hoisted by six um, officers off of the gurney and onto the execution bed. And the execution bed was a metal framed um, bed with two arms um, sticking out to the sides. Um, and so Mr. Creech was placed on that bed and his arms were, um, his arms and his legs were strapped down. And then his chest was strapped down again onto um, the bed. Um, and then from there, three um, members of the execution team or medical team, these were um, three uh, people, appeared to be men. Um, they were clothed head to toe in uh, blue scrubs, medical scrubs, and their faces were completely covered by white white cloth masks all the way around their heads um, and only uh, openings for their eyes, um, which were covered by safety glasses. Um, and they rolled in a cart, a medical cart with supplies with needles and syringes. And then they proceeded to um, 
uh, try to find a vein and they started in his um, right arm and they went to his right hand and they moved to his um, left arm. And each time that they did this, each time they tried to establish an IV, um, it was multiple steps. It was, um, um, they were applying an anesthetic, they were applying an, an alcohol wipe. Um, and each time that they did that took about four to six minutes. And at the end of each one, they said we were unsuccessful in, in establishing an IV and then they moved on. And then finally they moved down to his left leg um, and, and ankle and um, tried to find a, a vein. Um, when, he, when Mr. Creech was first rolled in and strapped down, he looked over at um, another witness room that was not visible to us. Um, so there were at least two witness rooms um, separated by walls. And um, we assume that his uh, friends and family and perhaps public officials were in that other room um, as well. We don't know who was in that room. Um, and he looked up into that room and he raised the, the fingers of his right hand and waved. He seemed to be crying. His eyes welled up with tears. He was sniffling and he was kind of puffing out his cheeks and puffing his mouth as if he were crying. And he mouthed a couple of words. Um, it looked to me like he was mouthing the words, I'm sorry. Um, there was a microphone that was hanging down from the ceiling above his head but it was he was not speaking loud enough or at all for us to hear anything. There was another reporter in the room who thought she saw the same thing that he said, I'm sorry. She also thought he at one point uh, another time had said, I love you. Um, and then um, he after he said that he looked into the, the media room, he kind of looked up and into the media room and he did the same thing with his with his right hand. He waved raised his fingers and waved and um, kind of looked us in the eye, um, which was kind of was, was kind of a chilling thing. Um, mm. The procedure to try to find a vein um, uh, lasted about 47, 48 minutes. Um, it took it took a few minutes to get him strapped in and begin the procedures. And then uh, at about 1058, um, the, the, the lead person of the execution team consulted with um, the Department of Corrections Director, Josh T. Walt, who was standing in the corner. Um, at one point, the, the lead exec, uh, execution team member left the room to get more supplies. Um, we were told that he um, went to get smaller catheters to see if that would work in, in finding a vein and establishing an IV. Um, that was unsuccessful. So at um, 1056, 1057, they consulted and called it. And then at 1058, they said, we are halting the execution because we're unable to establish an IV. Um, during that whole time, uh, Mr. Creech, um, he would look back at the witness room several times and mouth words and uh, raise his hand. Um, at times he um, appeared to fall asleep and it appeared to be snoring. Um, we were told later by um, Director T. Walt that Mr. Creech had stayed up until five o'clock in the morning with his lawyers and with his wife, and that he did choose to take a sedative before going into the execution chamber. Um, and so that caused him to be tired. Um, during the entire procedure, uh, he did not seem to be in discomfort. There was one time where they tried to establish an IV in his right hand uh, in a vein near his right knuckle index uh, finger knuckle. And that seemed to cause some discomfort. Discomfort. He kind of winced a little bit, and um, his hand kind of twitched and flinched. 
Um, but other than that, he did, um, he at one point raised his head and said that when they were working on his legs, he said, my legs are hurting a bit. Um, and that seemed to be relieved. They, they applied a warm cloth um, to his leg and relieved that, uh, that discomfort. But other than that, he seemed to be very comfortable um, and without uh, distress. We're speaking with Scott McIntosh, the opinion editor with the Idaho Statesman, about the canceled execution of Thomas Creech. Scott, I have a million questions, but I'm going to uh, limit myself to questions that I heard from folks yesterday um, after this happened. And I think um, let's start with the fact that it is not easy to do this. It is very hard to get the chemicals needed to perform an execution. And in fact, that's shrouded in secrecy here uh, in the gem state. And so just to get to the point of yesterday was, you know, not easy. It was, it shouldn't be easy, but it was not easy. It was not something that's, uh, I guess, um, something that's quick to do or quick to happen. So what happens now, I think is the biggest question I had. They, they, they still have the chemicals, but I know those don't last forever. So, so what's the next step? Right. And nobody really knows and not even the, the public officials know, or if they do know, they're not, they're not telling us. Um, we do know that they need um, two doses of the pentobarbital uh, drug um, for the execution. They need a five ounce dose um, and a five ounce dose as a backup. They had three doses and they used two of them. They, they didn't use two of them. They opened two of them and those two are spoiled. Mm. And so now they have one left. So if they were to do another, if they were do, to, to attempt another lethal injection mm. uh, execution on Mr. Creech, they would need to secure more of the pentobarbital um, as a backup uh, dose at the very least. Um, but like you said, we don't know a lot of the details. We don't know how they secured those uh, drugs. We don't know... Um, where they came from, what the expiration date is of those. Um, the Idaho State Legislature passed a law last year that kept all that stuff secret um, because the state, like other states, was having difficulty securing the drugs um, because companies did not want to be associated with providing um, lethal injection drugs. And so um, the state legislature chose to keep that stuff secret. And sure enough, it worked because they were able to secure the drugs uh, for Mr. Creech's um, execution. Um, there are only two options in Idaho for an execution. One is lethal injection and one is firing squad. Um, and so some have asked, well, is the firing squad next? Well, um, the state needs to build a, a, a facility to accommodate that. And they have not even begun construction on that. And that is expected to be, you know, a multi-year process. So um, really, perhaps in, in a couple of years, that might be an option. But right now, that's not an option. Um, so really, the only other option would be, um, at this point, based on state law, is to um, try again, if they do so choose, uh, a lethal injection. And they'd have to get another, at least one other dose of the drug. And, well, his death warrant expired um, at midnight last right. night. I mean, this isn't something you just walk in and do. There's a very long, complicated legal process to get to the point we were at yesterday. Right. And they would have to go through that all over again. Um, and how long that would take, I don't know. Um, you know, the, the state has seemed to um, let go the execution of Gerald Pizzuto, the other, another gentleman who is on um, death row in Idaho. 
um, who, through a whole other set of circumstances related to the lethal injection drugs, um, his execution has, you know, been put on the back burner. Whether they'll do the same thing for Thomas Creech, uh, we don't know, and they're really kind of tight-lipped about it. When we talked to, when we asked um, Director Tewalt about it yesterday, he was um, kind of circumspect um, and said that he didn't really know what the next steps were going to be. They were going to have to confer and 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 figure out what they want to do. Scott, give us just a little bit of background. Um, Creech was sentenced to death for the murder of an inmate while in prison, but he has other convictions on on his record. Yeah, he's been convicted of five murders, um, three of them in Idaho. Um, he was convicted of killing a, a couple of people in Valley County in 1974. Um, and then he was um, convicted of killing a couple of people um, in California in uh, 1976. And then he was in prison um, at the time of the, at the time that he killed um, David Jensen. Um, a fellow prisoner um, in the in Idaho prison um, in 1981, and it was a brutal beating um, at the time. And and really, um, Creech is suspected of killing several other people. Um, he's admitted to um, killing as many as 26 more people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, at at other times, he's as many as 46 people. Um, the the number is probably somewhere. Um, in the middle, maybe in the teens, um, nobody really knows, but uh, clearly Creech had a really brutal um, and heinous uh, history of of really uh, heinous crimes. And I mean, we don't have the time to get into all of the the things that surround this. And we've got a lot of reporting on our website, BoiseStatePublicRadio.org from yesterday. Um, we've heard from a lot of people talking a lot about this. You mentioned to me, though, the one person that I hadn't really heard much about before was uh, the daughter, the daughter of um, of one of his victims and what she said. Yeah, Brandy Jensen. Um, she um, issued a statement through the attorney general's office um, the other day and absolutely favors um, the execution of, mm. of Thomas Creech. Um, you know, uh, Jensen was killed in a brutal matter uh, manner in uh, a, a beating in the prison, and she lost her father um, and has no um, no hesitation about um, executing um, Creech. Um, and and so, um, yeah, I think that that is a perspective. I think you know a lot of supporters of Thomas Creech say that um, he's a different person. He's reformed. He's um, He's rehabilitated himself. He's been a, a model prisoner, and um, he's developed relationships with um, fellow prisoners and with um, with prison staff um, who are upset about his execution. But from Brandy Jensen's perspective, um, you know, her father didn't get a chance to do that to 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 grow old and to um, be be a family member. Um, you know, and this was forty years ago that she that she lost her father. Wow. Um, this case um, just, uh, it, it, it raises so many questions, and, we, and we've talked about a few of them, you know, not only with the laws of the state and um, around the death penalty. I, you know, I, I want to thank you for standing up and being a witness 
it's not an easy job, and um, it's got to have some psychological effects, even if the execution did not go as planned. Yeah, I think our conversation today would be very, very different if um, the execution had been completed. Um, I will say that definitely, like I said before, I think it's very important um, that journalists do this and and somebody's got to do it, and I feel like it's a duty to do it. Um, but I will say, um, you know, him looking into the media room, looking us in the eye, waving to us, seeing that this is a human being, um, you know, one of the arguments, again, that that supporters of Creech uh, make is that you're killing an elderly man. You're killing a senior citizen. You're not killing the man who committed these horrible acts 40, 50 years ago, that you're actually executing a different person. And I and I understand that a lot better having been a witness um, in that room to see uh, Creech in person and, you know, as he was laying there, snoring, um, dozing off. Um, I couldn't help but think of, you know, somebody's old grandpa, you know, in an easy chair, uh, snoozing in front of the TV. Um, you know, you realize that this is a real person. Um, and I think that's really important too, that, that you know, wh whatever side you fall on the death penalty, um, you have to realize that this is a really solemn um, act that the government is taking, that the government is, is taking a human life. Okay. We've been speaking with Scott McIntosh, opinion editor with the Idaho Statesman. Scott, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Idaho Matters. Boise State Public Radio and Idaho Matters are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Samantha Wright. We'll see you tomorrow. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.